Um, today we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Appreciate your, do appreciate your prayers for um, my, uh, uh, for my, uh, Maya, my, uh, for, <laughs> for my daughter-in-law Maya. And uh, she is, she's undergone some tests on some lumps that she had had that turned out to be four of six of those turned out to be tumors and one, a couple of them are just cysts and uh, she's going in for tomorrow for some additional um, evaluation and uh, scan as well as potentially after that I'm sure biopsies uh, to determine the nature of it. She had also this week gone into her see her uh, doctor um, and uh, it, it, with some evaluations that have said basically the recommendation is surgery on her heart. And um, she has long had heart issues from the time she was born. She has had heart surgery, open heart surgery, did when she was very young. And, um, and at this point they're saying that her heart is so weak that they're going to need to do a valve uh, replacement, I think, is what they call it. But anyway, uh, be, be really appreciate your prayers for uh, Maya and Evan and their needs at this time. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer before we get into the message today. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your great grace and mercy. And Lord, our hearts are burdened and uh, at the loss of uh, of uh, this dear sister. And Lord, your your uh, hand upon Brother Hebert at this time that you'd continue to bless him. I do pray for your blessings as well upon Maya that you might give grace, Lord, in her healing and others, Lord, that we know not about that are having problems, having issues and difficulties that only you can resolve. We just pray for your grace and your mercy and that we might uh, have opportunity uh, to give glory to your name, Lord, as to uh, what the results are. Your will be done, Lord, in each of our lives now, and pray for your grace and mercy, and Lord, that we would grow in grace and in the knowledge of the truth of our dear Savior, His great love and great grace for us, and we'll praise you for what you do now in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, we find uh, the words of our text uh, the words of our title, uh, not the title, but about the title, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. I want to talk today about truth maintenance. Truth maintenance. And when we look here at this passage, uh, verses we'll be reading, uh, well, I want to read this chapter. And so there's a lengthy reading here, but we'll be specifically dealing with verses 11 through 16. But I want to get the gist of the whole uh, message to the Ephesians here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, 
he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and here's where we will start with our message today. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What a sentence. <laughs> That's one sentence back from, you know, go back to verse 12 down to verse 16. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work, walk, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather... Let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, uh, tender forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Speaking on the subject today of truth maintenance, speaking the truth in love, he says in the middle of this long, long sentence, he says, speaking the truth in love, and it, and it starts up there before, it starts where he's identifying those that are given, the uh, he gave, verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And it goes on down, and basically, when you get down to it, 
then he is saying, but speaking the truth in love. There is something that is important to us here as God's people, and it is truth. This is the, uh, the message. The truth is largely the message here that's being referred to, that's being spoken of, the truth. And uh, speaking the truth in love. And we think about that. Well, the truth thoroughly affects every aspect of our lives. The truth affects your life. Our desire, our, uh, in, in some time, it's our desires, our, our uh, likes and dislikes. It, it affects our uh, decisions, the decisions that we make, the choice of friends that we have, our motivation, our attitude, whether it's in the home or in the workplace or wherever it is our work ethic itself, our ambitions, what things we really desire and, and want to push toward, our family life, our, our government, and, and what we want to do in, in respect to that. But it is our, our method and place of worship is affected by the truth. And in short, we are the product largely of what we know and believe. And I think I, I could almost say that universally, that everybody is. We're all the product of what we know and believe, but especially as believers, we're the product of what we know and believe. And therefore, when we look at something like this, this bulletin today, it says grow in grace. And it finishes up by saying grow in grace and in the knowledge of of our of the of the truth and and so the knowledge of the truth and the knowledge as as is speaking here in this passage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we're to be growing and so speaking the truth in love Paul expresses here the divine plan for the retention of this truth the retention of this blessed commodity that affects our everyday life that affects every decision we make we intend today then, so in looking at this passage, it's our intention today to explore, as we believe is written here, in terms of its ministry and its objective. The, the ministry and the objective of the truth. So thinking about this for a moment, verse 11. And he gave some, as he's speaking about after his ascension, he ascends up on high, and the scripture says he gave some, he gave, I, I would say the interpretation of the right interpretation of this was he gave to some, he gave unto some, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. In verse number 11, speaking the truth, so, so he speaks about speaking the truth in love and there, and he's in, in maintenance of the truth, we find the truth's ministry. And the ministry of the truth is through the spoken word. It is through the, the, the teaching and preaching of God's word. And as we read this passage, therefore we see these people that he had given. And as he had ascended on high, there were people, many of the saints were given the apostles. The apostles were given. The apostles do not exist today. There are no more apostles. They, they fully and completely 
fail to meet the requirements of apostleship today. No one meets the requirements of apostleship today. They had to have been with Jesus during His earthly ministry in order to have been an apostle. And therefore the apostleship is gone and we find that the the scriptures tell us that there's one there was one person that was a person born out of due time who's called the apostle Paul and he himself though he himself lived during the ministry of Jesus he was one who was a persecutor of the church at that time but we find though that the Lord redeemed saved him and called him named him an apostle the apostle unto the gentiles but but as we think about this speaking the truth uh, and the need of that speaking the truth in love, we find in this ministry there are these ministers that are ministers in the churches. And the apostles, first of all. Then the prophets. The prophets were, were given as well. And the prophets in the early church, in the church after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were prophets that were given that had very special prophetic ministry that had very special gifts as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned and the working of the Holy Spirit during the early days. And it was to some extent the prophets were the proclaimers of the Word of God, but there were also in the early church, there were also those that were revealing the Word of God because the whole of the New Testament had not yet been compiled. And therefore, until the whole of the New Testament was compiled, there was need for people to understand New Testament doctrine, New Testament truth, New Testament teaching. And so the Word of God shows us that there was evidence uh, that was given through signs and wonders and healing, get certain gifts, the evidence given that these folks were truly the apostles, and uh, truly the prophets of the Lord, that they had been uh, those who the Lord had, was using and was blessing. And then he says there were the evangelists. The evangelists, as the Apostle Paul himself was, and as, as others were, and going forth into all the world and preaching the gospel. And I, and I believe still today that we can say that the, the evangelists are still exist today. That there are certain evangelists that would go forth with the Word of God, and, and these folk that have uh, gone out from among us to different nations, and even to our own nation, as it is an evangelistic field, obviously, and then there are the pastors and teachers. And the pastors and teachers are those that we might more readily refer to as far as the church is concerned as a, as a certain kind of people, bishop, elder, pastor, if you will. And, uh, and we'll think about that for a moment. But this is the what the Lord had given to the saints of God over this period of time, this transitional time after His ascension. And so he's given these folk over time. And as well, when we think about these folk that he's given, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verses 28 to 31. The scripture says there, And God hath set, and this is similar to what is being said in our text, that he gave them, God hath set some, and where did he set them? In the church, he says. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, government, diversity of tongues. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all 
workers of miracles uh, have all the same uh, have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way and he talks about these gifts and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 he's speaking about the spiritual gifts and the gifts that are given were given in New Testament in the New Testament transitional period in which that the word of God had not yet been completed and those gifts had to do like the speaking in tongues and such was was the ability to speak in such a way as that someone of another tongue could understand what you were saying. Why? Because the emphasis in God's Word is upon communication of this wonderful and precious commodity called the truth. The truth is vital. Not just feelings, not just ecstasy, but the truth being presented is what is important. We do find the Word of God tells us we're to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And our attitude is, is involved. And our, and our heartfelt uh, emotion is even involved. But, but at the same time, truth has to be there. And it is that precious commodity that Paul is talking about here that gives to us the things he's mentioning, that grants to us these wonderful things. But anyway, he's, so he's spoke, spoken here about the, the ministers. And it's for a certain overall ministry or ministering verse 12 here's this ministry look at verse 12 it says for they were given he gave some to the saints for the perfecting of the saints this this the, the ministers of churches today are given to the lord by the lord to saints for their perfecting Every child of God should be in a New Testament church. Every child of God should be in a New Testament church. Not every child of God is. And the truth of the matter is that we do not in any sense discount the salvation of someone who's been saved by the grace of God and is not in a New Testament church. There's no, there, there's no, no way in this world we would do that. We don't believe if they are not never been baptized, but they've come to know the Lord as their Savior, they're saved as much as I am saved, as much as you are saved. They are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Plus nothing, minus nothing. And so we we believe that. But we also believe that for the children of God, for the saints, that there is a plan of God that involves the church. There's a plan of God that involves a certain ministering that is needed. And that ministering is, first of all, as he says here, for the perfecting of the saints. Catartismos, perfecting, the Greek word. Catartismos, it comes from the word catartizo, uh, but it's to thoroughly complete or the completing. It's the catartismos is the noun form. It is the complete furnishing. So for the complete furnishing of the saints, saints need to be fully furnished. Saints need to be need to be growing and need to be as as we see here, grow in grace. Saints need to be growing in the knowledge of the truth and growing in grace in their lives from the Lord. And as the children of God, we we need that uh, catartismos, that complete furnishing, that ca- that perfecting of the saints. That is a 
growing. We look at perfection, and, and sometimes we think sinless perfection. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about full maturity. He's talking about growing in an understanding of the truth, growing in our practice of it that comes from the understanding of it. But the truth is so vital to the lives of God's people. He says here also, for the work of the ministry. So these these in the ministry are given to the saints for, as he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Well, it is it is multiplicity. It, it, there is some, some uh, variety, if you will, in the work of the ministry. There is some different things. When we think just of the title of, that the Lord has given, the titles that the Lord has given to those who are in the ministry. We think of the word bishop. Bishop is the word Greek word episkopos, which is an overseer. Okay, part of what needs to be done is that the saints need to have an overseer, a human overseer. You see, that's something that we need. The Lord is saying we need it. Paul is saying we need it here. We need an overseer. And so he says, hey, this is part of what the Lord has given to us, is he's given us this, this episkopos. Also, another word that's given for the minister is elder. An elder is a presbyteros, from which we get the word presbyterian, a form of go- sometimes a form of government that some people have as far as uh, church government is concerned. But a presbyteros is simply someone who is seasoned, someone who is who is strong in the faith, someone who is able to teach others. That's a presbyteros, an elder. And in fact, the word is used literally for someone who's an aged person as well. But it is a an elder. And so then there's another word, and it's uh, poimen, and that is pastor. A pastor, the, the poimen. The poimen, the Greek word poimen, means a shepherd, a feeder. Someone who's to carry, take the flock to be fed, to, to give them the food that they need, the necessary food. And what do you suppose that food is? That they're supposed, they're supposed to be preaching the Word, right? The Word of God is that which is necessary, which is needful. And so the work of the ministry, the very work of the ministry has everything to do with, with taking care of saints concerning their most important needs, and especially as it pertains to the truth taking care of the needs concerning the truth in uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 we're reminded of the uh, of the first of the appointment of if you will of the first deacons because I believe that's what it is referring to here when they chose some uh, when the apostles determined that there was a need and the need was that that they would be unfettered from the ministry from their ministry that the Lord had given to them of the preaching of the word the word of God says in uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse number 4 he says but we will give ourselves he says I will appoint these others over the business of feeding the Grecian uh, 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 widows and such as this But, but he says but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The ministry that the Apostle Paul, I believe, is referring to in Ephesians chapter 4 is the ministry of the Word. 
He's talking about the, the importance of the truth here and how this vital. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we find, we find these offices, if you will, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the elders which are among you, Paul, uh, Peter speaks and speaks to saints of God in churches, the elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of, uh, of Christ. What's an elder? An elder is a presbyteros, one that's seasoned, one that's your spiritual leader, a spiritual one that you can follow. And the scripture says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. What's that? That's the responsibility of appointment. Feeding the flock, a shepherd which is among you. Feed the flock which is among you. Taking the oversight. What's that? That is the the bishop. That is the pres. Uh, excuse me. That is the episcopos. The episcopos. The overseer. And he says. So he's got all three of these together, and he's talking about one person. Uh, one those that individual office of the of the pastor taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not, of, not of fil- for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in examples to the flock, in samples to the flock. And then when he, the chief shepherd, shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. But the word of God says here, there's the, the need for that ministering, that ministry. And he says also it's for the edifying of the body of Christ. Greek word here, soma, the body. Not something universal, something visible and physical. Something that has a resonance, something that has a place in geography. A place. It is a church. It is a ecclesia. The only kind of ecclesia the scriptures talk about is a local visible church, a body. A body is not a body that's just a bunch of arms and legs scattered all over the world. A body is a body that is fitly joined together. Uh, members fitly joined together, they, per, they make up a body. And that's what he speaks about here in verse number 16. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So we've got this body and it's for the edifying. He says the minister's the ministry and the ministering is for the edifying, the building up, the strengthening, the full furnishing, back to the words that are used earlier, the full furnishing, the, the perfecting of the saints. Perfecting of the saints comes through, is in a sense, is in essence the same as the building up of the body. And as the body is built up and it becomes healthier and stronger as a local body, then the Lord's uh, the Lord is working the truth and He's He's communicating the truth unto folks that vitally need it. We all need it. The church's connection to the truth in Revelation chapter one and verse twenty. Revelation chapter one, John saw this vision. Remember, and he sees this vision, and one of the things he saw was that that one uh, the, the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ but he also the Lamb of God but he also saw the scripture says he saw seven golden candlesticks and in his vision and 
the Lord directs John with an understanding that the seven golden candlesticks, as it said in verse number, uh, uh, verse number, what is it? Verse sixteen, verse twenty, verse number twenty, that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. Churches are revealers of the light. Churches are revealers of the truth. And so when we look at the connection between the truth and the church, the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is to be the communicator of the light. The church is important to us as the, in the Lord's plan that we would be grounded in the truth, that we'd be settled, that we'd not be, as he goes on to say, just tossed to and fro. The edifying of the body of Christ, the building up and building up in the faith is what we need as God's people. So, we looked at this, the first question or the first thing is the truth's ministry. So there's the ministry of it. But what is it for? What's the What's the ultimate goal? What's the purpose? You can say, well, the ultimate goal of everything is to glorify God, right? That's the ultimate goal of everything. Let all things be done to the glory of God. Everything, and and in your life, is what I'm doing to the glory of God? Or is there something better? (laughs) Should I be doing something else? In order to glorify God, what is it that I'm doing? And do I glorify God? And can I glorify God in what I'm doing and the decisions that I'm making? All those things revolve around my understanding of the truth. They revolve around how much I understand the truth. Because if I don't understand, if I don't have a strong understanding of the truth, and I'm not grounded and settled through the ministry of the Word of God through in the churches, if I'm not grounded and settled, I'm going to find myself... I'm going to find myself making decisions that are not best. I'm going to find myself doing things to my own glory. I'm going to find myself walking in ways and stumbling around in ways because I'm going to slip. I'm going to slip up. I'm going to end up going in a direction that feels okay, that seems okay, but it leads me away from the truth. I get away from the truth when I... When I start sliding over and start slipping a little bit and not not being grounded and, and, and not taking seriously the the as he's talking about here, the perfecting of the saints. It's important that we be perfected. It's important that we be grounded. So the truth's objective. Well, verse that's verses thirteen to sixteen. The objective of the truth. Verse thirteen, first one. The first objective of the truth is the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith. He says here, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says we need to come to the unity of the faith. What does that mean? Well, it really does get back to the fact that there is one faith. It gets back to what he said earlier. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one faith. Jesus said himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And in person, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way. And there's only one truth. The truth is one thing. 
the truth is is made up of a whole lot of doctrine, a whole lot of teaching, but it is just one that's right, that's true, that's right. How many of us 100% know and preach and deliver and declare and believe the truth 100%? None of us. We're all frail. We're all incapable of fully attaining to the truth that the Lord has for us. God's mysteries are far, so far above our understanding that there's no way we can get there. However, there's a way that for the Lord's people that we can get strong in the faith. That we can become strong in the faith and stronger in the faith. And that, of course, is, it does, it is different for different saints. And there are different capabilities of all of us, capacities of all of us, spiritually, just like physically there are. But we find, though, that there's, he speaks, though, about the unity of the faith. What kind of unity is it? Doctrinal unity. When you read in the Scriptures, when we read in the New Testament the words, the word faith, with the article in front of it, the faith, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about the doctrine of this blessed book. That's what we're talking about. It's the faith. We're talking not about faith as in our belief, our trusting in the Lord. We're talking about the faith, which is the truth of God's Word. And he's he's speaking about that here. Paul is speaking in Ephesians about the importance of the truth here. And as he's speaking of the importance of the truth, he says, hey, we need to come as saints and this this method is going to help us. God's plan is going to help us come to the unity of the faith. Come to growing in grace and the knowledge of the truth. We hear the Word of God. How many times that I heard the Word of God growing up and hearing certain things and then somebody else comes along and preaches and, and I hear something a little bit different. But it wasn't different. It was just I heard it better. And, and then hear somebody else preach it. Or hear it preached the third or the fourth time by the pastor that had been preaching on it and I never did get it. And he finally preached on it again and it's like lights came on. Came to understand. Okay, that's what he that's what this passage is saying. I didn't understand it before, but I do now. And you know what? It changes some of what I'm gonna do tomorrow. It 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 makes has an impact on my life, on my decisions, on the things that I like and don't like, the kind of music that I listen to and don't listen to, the kind of things that I'm entertained by and I'm not entertained by. It changes my life. God's Word, the truth, the truth, the teachings of God's Word are dynamic. They affect our lives. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces where nothing else can pierce. It can change my heart where nothing else can do that. And so I read here about the truth's objective, and it is for the unity of the faith, for us to just grow to understand what the truth really is. And then, verse 16, I mean verse 14, the truth's objective, the unity of the faith. Then also, the truth's objective is a guard against deceit. A guard against deceit. Does the Lord want us to be guarded against deceit? Well, obviously He does. He gave the ministry partially for that purpose, that we would be guarded against deceit, that we be guarded from false teachings, 
that we would be guarded as God's people from from being swept aside. If you're strong and grounded, if you're a tree that's planted and it's deeply rooted, then the likelihood of you just being blown over or blown out, the roots falling out, you being pulled out and such by the wind is very unlikely. Highly unlikely. How is it that we come to know the truth of God's Word? And how are we defended from the falsehoods in this world? Well, I don't have to I don't have to learn about all the cults and all the details of the cults to know that when they tell me something about Jesus and it's not true, all I had to do was know about Jesus, right? That's all I had to do. All I had to do was know the truth. Could know the truth enough that when I saw, you know, here I'm a little baby, and I see Mama, and Daddy comes along and tries to comfort me, and it ain't, that's not Daddy. <laughs> I mean, that's not Mama. You're not Mama. So leave me alone. I'm still going to ball. I'm going to still cry some more. I need Mama. Give me Mama. Or somebody else. Some stranger comes along. Any other time, maybe just fine. Some stranger comes along and takes a hold of her or takes a hold of him and that's not mama. I might not be able to tell who it is. I might not understand exactly what their intentions might be, but I know it's not mama. And as, a, as God's people, we need to have a strong enough understanding and grip of the truth that when we hear or when we see that which is contrary to the truth, that we'll be aware of it. And he says here that the, the whole ministry of the Word of God and the ministry of the truth is to guard against deceit. That we henceforth, verse 14, be no more children. Okay, so what does perfecting have to do with maturity? And so he's saying that we won't be children. Children in the faith. Just children where that we're gullible. Children where that we're easily deceived. Children, where that we don't, we don't really care that, you know, it doesn't. I might have been told a few times not to touch the stove, but, uh, um, but my wife's got the marks. She's, she bears the mark in her body, the marks of uh, a certain pan that got a hold of her the <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, she's got a couple of couple of couple of marks on her, and she's trying to tell Haven, you got to be careful. You want to be careful that it doesn't take much. You, you just touch it just a little bit, and it's gonna it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna be dangerous. It doesn't take much. What does the scripture say? A little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. Leaven is the whole. Lump. All it takes is a little error. You say, well, that preaching was so good, you know, and yet there's just a little bit of error there, or it may not even be any error in that message. But there's all kinds of stuff that he's loaded you up for, that she's loaded you up for. All kinds of stuff she's going to slip in later. Because you're just thinking everything's good. You're thinking it's all right. Everything's good. No problems. But they're not always so silly and so unwitting as to think that they can't sometimes declare the truth and it be simply a trap. What do you give to a mouse to get him? 
something really good, don't you? You don't get him by giving him something, you know, the de- give him the decon on your trap. You don't have to put a decon on your trap. You give him something good. And he goes after it. And he thinks that's great, you know, until his head gets popped real good. Until it's too late. You know, the same is with the children of God. God's Word says He doesn't want us to be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They want to deceive you, so the best way to deceive you is with the truth. How did Satan tempt Eve in the garden? God's Word, right? Gave him some, gave him, gave gave her God's Word. Quoted Scripture to her. You see, tell her what God says. And the fact of the matter is, and of course, but then slip in a little what He didn't say. Slip in a little bit different. So twist it just, just enough to where it sounds appealing. It sounds like it'll be good. That fruit's going to be good for me. And so it's good enough for her to just go ahead and take of the forbidden fruit. And what did it cause? It caused the entire fall of mankind. That's what it caused. And if you don't think it can cause a whole lot of damage to just affiliate with those who are not of the truth, I got another word for you. (laughs) It's dangerous. It's dangerous. We need to be careful as God's people. And so following, he's, he's saying here, that we need this guard against false doctrine, false teaching. And he makes it a serious issue here. The truth is something of a serious matter. And upholding the truth means your life. It means a whole lot about how you're going to live your life and whether or not it's going to be pleasing to the Lord. Then we find also, verse 15, that the truth's objective is not only unity of the faith and guard against deceit, but it's also following the church's head. It's also walking with Christ. You know, the church's objective is to get you walking with Christ and following Christ. I would not be any kind of a preacher at all if I were to get up here and say, you just believe everything I say because everything I've said is studied out and it's accurate and, and there is no, cha- no way it can ever be challenged because it's incorruptible. I would be lying to you. I'd be lying to you. And anybody that says anything like that's lying to you. The fact of the matter is, what I want, and what every true preacher wants, is they want their followers to follow Jesus Christ. They want them to be followers of the chief shepherd. When the chief shepherd... Do you think that the, the, the lesser shepherd has more authority than the chief shepherd? If you do, you got it all wrong. He's the one that's got all the authority. He's the one who's been given all power and dominion over all principalities and powers in this whole world. He's the one who's over every single one of us as His people. We lead folk to follow Christ. And that's where we need. And, and so, what's He say here? From whom? He says, But speaking the truth in love, verse 15, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, through God's grace, through according to the effectual working and the measure 
of every part. That's God working in within each one of us. And as He works within each member, He's helping the body. He's He's providing for the body, maketh increase of the body, building up the body unto the edifying of itself in love. But it is growing up into Christ. It's growing up into Him in all things. It is becoming one who's not just Christian by name, but is like the folks at, uh, at, uh, uh, at where were they called Christians first? Antioch. <laughs> To be a, an Antioch Christian where that our life demonstrates what it is that we believe. We believe certain things and you think, well, then i got to be able to tell everybody, everybody all the truth that I believe and, and I may be casting my pearl before swine. But the fact of the matter is, as God's people, I need to live my life pleasing to the Lord. And that demonstration of what the Lord has done for me is, is vital. It's important. We just need we need to be sound in the faith. Following Christ as our head, we don't necessarily have to identify every cult, as I said a few moments ago. I know Christ. I identify every false teacher. I know Christ. I don't have to understand every false way of salvation. No, I know Christ. I know the teachings of God's Word concerning my Savior Jesus Christ. And I you know what? That gives me a, a strong defense against the false teachings of our day. God has a plan for the truth in our lives. And the truth is vital to us and we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of it. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity today to uh, to look into this passage of Scripture and, and if we hadn't done anything else, hopefully you'll get closer to Christ. Hopefully, that's what we're, that's what all I care about is that we get a little bit closer to Christ, that we get grow up into Him, that we get we become more stable and, and stronger. And one of the ways is just be faithful. Be faithful in God's house. Continue faithful in God's house. Don't let other things, don't let other things get in the way. I mean, there's providential hindrances. There's no question about it. The Scriptures talk about that. But at the same time, as we have opportunity... Don't let things get in the way of our being in God's house. Don't let things get in the way of, of finding a place. We went out on vacation, and and you know sometimes you sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. I don't mean you know I don't mean anything by lucky, providence and such. Uh, but sometimes you you look them up and you find out about them, and you do the research on what the church looks like it's going to be, and then you show up and you think, is this a Baptist church or a Lutheran church? That's what, that's what my words were to my wife the other day. Is this a Baptist church or is this... I remember going to a Lutheran church when I was little and going to with my grandparents and went to their church and, and all the sitting up and standing up and sitting down and, and all the formality and the, oh my goodness, and no spirit at all. And even the word that was declared was just as weak as water. And it's like uh, my dad used to call it a bunch of, you know, uh, 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 what do you say? Preaching a, a sermonette to a bunch of Christianettes or something like that. Uh, it is just, a, it's just, it's just weak. We need to be strong. The Lord says, hey, get the meat of the word. Get to the meat. You don't get to the meat till you've taken the, 
lesser things, the milk of the word, and growing in those things, but get to growing, and, and as God's people, uh, may we glorify God the more as a result, and glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.